0: When God calls, He requires you to leave your
1: baggage behind, reminding you to trust Him to provide. Notice Jesus spoke two simple words, Follow me. This was the day Matthew made his decision about Jesus. To follow Him meant to believe Jesus was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. To follow Him meant He was part of the kingdom of God based on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, not wealth, power, or self as before
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Perhaps you have never been one of the popular people growing up. You know, not invited to hang out with the cool kids, or one of the last chosen to participate in a ball game. Well, when God calls you to His service, He takes your human attributes lightly, and more importantly, looks inward to your heart. He seeks those who are willing to put him first, no matter the opinion of the crowd. And that's why he chose Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his apostles. Pastor Xavier turns to Luke chapter 5 for today's simple truth. Let's listen.
1: Jesus had many disciples, as you know, but he chose only 12 to be apostles from the many who followed him. Perhaps none of us would have chosen some of the 12, perhaps none of them. In particular, Matthew, due to the fact that he had a bad character and a horrible reputation. But Jesus did choose him, revealing how different he is from each of us. Soon Jesus will be spending an entire night in prayer to choose the twelve apostles. Matthew would be one of those twelve. So what we want to do is Look at the call of Matthew, which is described by three things here, verse 27 to 32. We have the decisive response to the words of Jesus in verse 27 and 28. Second, we have the impressive desire for others to hear the words of Jesus in verse 29 through 30. And then thirdly, the incisive rebuke by the words of Jesus in 31. In 32, the decisive response to the words of Jesus comes first. The parallel passages are found in Matthew 9 9 through 13 and Mark 2 13 through 17. But notice in the decisive response to the words of Jesus, the setting for the call of Matthew gives us a clear timeline. The reference to after these things is to the account of the healing of the paralytic. Matthew confirms this, and we find it in verse 17 through 26. He just finished that. Again, Matthew confirms his call right after this very account in his own gospel, confirming the order of the timeline in chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. Mark equally confirms this timeline in Mark 2, 1 through 12. The scene was one of forgiving the sins of a paralytic first, if you remember. Then came his healing. The forgiveness of sins guaranteed his oneness with God and to live in eternity with God. The healing of his body guaranteed he would live only a bit longer on earth. The priority was the forgiveness of sins. The healing would just be... For a short while. Sometimes we get sidetracked. We focus on the physical. More than the spiritual. Now notice in 27. The occupation of Matthew. At the time of his call was. One that was most detested. The departure of Jesus from. The paralytic brought him face to face. With Matthew, it says he went out and he saw a tax collector. The word saw means to look upon attentively, to contemplate. The tax collector was um, a renter of farms or of taxes. He also was known as a publican who um, were hated. They were despised by all, but most of all by the Jews being under tribute to Rome. The Roman government, in fact, would subcontract um, the various regions to the highest bidder. These tax collectors would be those who would go and collect the taxes for the Roman government. Now, the said amount would be paid to Rome. Anything else taken would be the tax collectors. It led to great dishonesty and corruption Two types of tax collectors existed. Those who would have others to collect the taxes for them and then pay them a fee. Or those who would collect the taxes themselves because they didn't want to lose any of the fee. They wanted it all for themselves. Matthew was the latter of these. He wanted it all. <laughs> to make it worse, he knew the taxes collected would go to the treasury of Herod Antipas, a very corrupt Roman man. Remember, Matthew's a Jew. There's a big conflict here. The tax collector Matthew, notice, was sitting at the tax office. Mark tells us it was Capernaum, the headquarters of Jesus, in Mark 2.1. Tax collectors, or publicans were considered the worst of all men. They were categorized with prostitutes and sinners, not permitted to testify as a witness, being known as perpetual liars. Fleecing not only their own countrymen, but the government that they worked for. The thought of a Jew collecting taxes was considered to be the greatest unpatriotic thing one could do. A traitor of his people, and barred from the synagogue. Such was Matthew. the tax collector Matthew had a second name. It says he was named Levi. Levi means "joined" and appears three other times in Mark 214 and15, and in Luke 529, remember that Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. Peter James and John and others were known by two names. So Levi and Matthew are his two. Matthew is the name he is most known by. It means gift of Yahweh. He was chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve apostles in the next chapter, verse 16. Notice the decision of Matthew was one of full commitment. The end of 27 and 28. Jesus, looking on Levi, invited him personally to be his disciple. And he said to him, follow me. Jesus must have seen Matthew many times in his tax office. And I am sure the rise must have met often. Jesus must have brought such conviction to Matthew, as well as feeling of compatibility with Jesus to an extent. Conviction, being a Jew, a traitor to his people, knowing that Scripture condemned him. Compatibility for both Jesus and Matthew were hated by the Pharisees and the scribes. Both outcasts of society to an extent, but on opposite sides. Notice Jesus spoke two simple words that changed his life forever. Follow me. This was the day Matthew made his decision About Jesus. The response of Matthew was immediate to follow me. So he left all, rose up, and he followed him. Verse 28. The decision of Matthew involved his belief about the person of Jesus. To follow him meant to believe Jesus was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Very clear. To follow him, man, he was part of the kingdom of God based on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not wealth, power, or self as before. The decision of Matthew was a decision to abandon all. For Levi, he could never be go back. Even if he wanted to, as others went back to fishing, as we know. He could not go back to being that tax collector. Once he left this, he sunk his ship. For Levi, it meant everything was being laid down. For Levi, it was a total surrender to the perspective of never looking back, putting his hand to the plow. Both Matthew and Mark confirmed the words of Luke that he arose and followed him in Matthew nine nine and Mark 2.13. John Newton who ran away to sea and then to Africa, was sold at last to a black woman. He sank so low that he lived only on crumbs from her table and on wild yams dug not at night. His clothing was reduced to a single shirt, which he washed in the ocean. And when he finally escaped, he went to the natives accepting their base life. It does not seem possible for a civilized man to have sunk so low, but the power of God laid hold on him through a missionary. He became a sea captain. Later, he became a minister. He wrote many hymns, sung the world around like amazing grace. In the Church of London, which he was a pastor, there is still an epitaph which John Newton wrote for himself. It reads as follows, quote, sacred to the memory of John Newton, once a libertine and blasphemer and slave of slaves in Africa, but renewed, purified, pardoned, and appointed to preach the gospel which he had labored to destroy. Perhaps you are like Newton and Matthew, and your choices in life have cost you more pain and suffering than the benefit that they promised you. Maybe it is a life of drugs that caused you to lose the most precious things in life. Or perhaps a life of sexual promiscuity that promised you so much fun and excitement but only left you with guilt, regret and anguish through life. Maybe your deceptive honesty to your wife, your husband or others has caught up with you and you are reaping to what you have sown in a way that you could have never imagined. Perhaps your pursuit of money has caused you Untold miseries and loneliness That only you know The solution for any and all of these Is confession and repentance to God And when possible and necessary to people also In Luke 19 verse 2, 8 and 10 It says, now behold there was a man named Zacchaeus Who was a chief tax collector And he was rich Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not because he gave back the things, but because he demonstrated the evidence of his belief in who Jesus was and the new birth. Anytime a Jew gives back fourthful, he's got to be born again. Here you have the only solution for life. He also was a publican. Matthew, the tax collector, is in the Bible. To encourage those who have gone so far down into the pit to give them hope in Jesus. Paul put it this way in First 1 Timothy 1.15-16. 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show all suffering as a pattern of those who are going to believe on him... For everlasting life. So the words of Paul are that he is a perfect example of such people that God can save. Jesus said two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. The other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not such as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke eighteen ten through 14. The decisive response of Matthew to the words of Jesus was without hesitation. Follow me. He went. Next comes the impressive desire for others to hear the words of Jesus, 29 and 30. In 29, Matthew, the tax collector, threw a feast for Jesus. The feast was in honor of Jesus. Then Levi gave him a great feast. Levi or Matthew, whichever, as a tax collector, had been around the block, so to speak. He had been exposed to many social levels of people in his line of work. He worked for the IRS. Same thing. He saw rich people, poor people, Roman, Jew, Greek, Egyptian, emperors, procurators, Common people. He had seen it all. Matthew, as a tax collector, had been exposed to and was part of the corruption of his day. He was a byproduct of it. The corrupt power of Rome. The corrupt power of wealthy people. This is not to say we have to be careful with generalities that all wealthy people are corrupt. Those that are walking with God are to have a different perspective on wealth. Conduct themselves differently. We are given some in scripture. Very benevolent. Very gracious. Proper perspective. The corruption of the poor he also saw. They were no different than the rich. The corrupt morals of people in general. Regardless of the social level. It's in our DNA. When culture and society permits it. And even encourages it. Matthew had never met someone like Jesus. This was the exception. He had met all kinds of people, but not like Jesus. Jesus had all the power and authority that men longed and sought for, but he didn't use it for himself. It must have drove him crazy. Jesus was not impressed nor swayed by the rich nor the poor. He treated them all the same. Jesus was healing all manner of disease, casting out demons out of people, setting them free in chapter 4 throughout and even here into chapter 5. And certainly Jesus didn't say, well, no, you're not wealthy enough for me to heal you or you're too wealthy for me to heal you. He had compassion upon the multitudes. Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man calling all to repentance for the forgiveness of sins to receive eternal life. Jesus, for this very reason and more, was the guest of honor at the Feast of Levi. Because his life had been transformed by Jesus Christ. Simple. So Matthew threw in honor of Jesus, not just a feast, but a great feast. We can only imagine the wealth Matthew had acquired through the years of collecting taxes. The food that was presented was of the highest quality, I'm sure. The number of people equally had to have been great, because when you have money and you're in a niche of society that you're either looked up to or feared, who is ever anybody wants to be around there at the parties? <laughs> For connections and for approval or whatever it may be. The great feast was to celebrate the greatness of Jesus. For which he was abandoning all to follow him. Notice that the feast was in his own house it says. The house of Matthew. Mark confirms the feast at the house of Matthew in Mark 2.15 and... We're not told the size of the house, but without doubt it had to have been a large house, enough to accommodate the many invited. Notice the reason Matthew invited the people was so that they be exposed to Jesus and his words in order to be saved, just like Matthew. It says, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. Notice in verse 30, Matthew and the other disciples were confronted by the religious leaders. Luke tells us that their scribes and Pharisees complain, which means to grumble against the disciples, and they ask them, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 30 says. None of these religious persons among the scribes and Pharisees or even the Sadducees would ever be seen talking, let alone sitting and eating and drinking with any of this kind. These were the ones who no one offered any hope for or to. They had been written off by society. They were bothered by it. They they, they couldn't correlate the two. They had separated themselves so much from being... Part of the fallen human race that they it just didn't connect. Self-righteousness. In other words, how can he bring himself to associate and be one with them? On Sunday morning in 1856, a congregation of well-dressed people had been ushered to their rented pews in Chicago's Plymouth Congregation Church. As you know, if you look at history in church, you used to rent your pews. Some were yours. You just paid a fee every month and depend on denominations. And they even had little doors between them and you walked in. Suddenly, there was a commotion near the door. Many turned and looked and something occurred which had never before had been seen in this elite congregation. In walked a young man about 19 years old, a salesman. Following him was a motley group of tramps, slum people, and alcoholics. The young man led them into four pews he had personally rented for visitors. He continued to do this important work each Sunday until God called him into the worldwide ministry. His name was Dwight L. Moody. Every one of us should be known after the same identity as Jesus. Jesus. One who interacts with sinners and ministers the gospel to them as an ambassador for Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.20. 1 Peter 3.15 says we're to give an answer to every man for the reason, the hope that lies in it with meekness and fear. Now, you share with sinners whoever God brings to you. But you don't partake with them as one in their activities, their lifestyle. Be careful of that though, Okay. I guarantee you that Jesus at this feast was not partaking in any sin, He was light. And sometimes people will invite you and, and we are to go and be a light. And if things get a little out of hand, then we just bow out graciously say, you know, I've got to be going, thank you for inviting me. You don't say, you pagans, I knew I shouldn't have come. One who calls them to repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. You dare not preach the gospel and not ask people they've done to repent. You have to ask that. Jesus was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners in Matthew eleven nineteen 19 and Luke 7, 34. The impressive desire of Matthew for others to hear the words of Jesus was for salvation.
0: For God so loved the world, he sent his son into the world. A simple reminder that God cares for both the sinner and the saint. Pastor Xavier Reese closing with an encouragement to use every opportunity to share the grace of God with those we come in contact with. Now you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com but there's still much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if you won't be able to tune in, though, you can always pick up your own copy of this study on CD for just $4. The title to request is The Call of Matthew. And why not share it with a friend when you're through? Once again, the title to ask for is The Call of Matthew, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths.